0: Hey everyone, you are listening to Kesara Sara with me, Sarah Ann Lalone. I am a teacher candidate studying at the University of Ottawa, sharing my journey into education with the world. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 47 Taking the Jump with Katie Atwell. All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of Que Sera, Sera And tonight, like any other night, it is so special because I have a passionate, inspiring educator with me. Her name is Katie Atwell, and thanks to the magnificent Ontario Summit, we were able to connect Um through the passion for EdTech and thanks to the EdTech team and Emily Fitzpatrick and Michelle Armstrong and all the team that put together such an incredible summit. Um, I have lots of episodes coming up with educators that I got to connect with at that summit. But tonight, I'm so excited to speak with Katie. So good evening, Katie. Hey, how are you? I'm great. And I'm so excited to talk. Um, First of all, I will get you
1: to introduce yourself um, to our listeners. For sure. So um, my name is Katie. I work in Oakville at a uh, really large school there with about 2,000 students. I teach English as a second language and Spanish, and then I have um, a passion for technology. So I'm one of the lead tech learners in the building, and uh, we kind of help build capacity amongst teachers and students. Really
0: awesome. So what brought you to the Ontario Summit in Kitchener? Was it your first EdTech
1: Summit? It was actually my third. Um, third, yeah. So uh, I just I love it there. I find it very inspiring and motivating, and I find that it's always one of the best PD I could ever do for myself because I learn so much, and I love it. I don't know, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. The energy there is amazing.
0: The energy, Yo oh my goodness! You leave on Sunday, absolutely just like drained, but so. Like inspired and ignited. I don't know. It's such an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. Um, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So, what was one of the biggest like takeaways that you um, that you got from the summit, and maybe something that you were able to translate into your
1: classroom or into your school from that weekend? So, actually, one of my biggest takeaways was uh, your ignite presentation. <laughs> Um, (laughs) shameless plug. So uh, I actually, I've been like toying with the idea of doing blogs and toying with like this idea of putting myself out there a little bit more, taking more risks and kind of just going for it and and learning along the way. And so your Ignite actually came at a really good time because it, uh, it inspired me just to push forward and just do it. I love it. And I
0: have to admit, like I, I just love being open and honest about it because I struggled so much um, figuring out why the heck Emily <laughs> Fitzpatrick wanted me to do an Ignite, wondering what I actually had to say that could reach um, educators like yourself that have way more experience than me um, in education, in the classroom, in general, um, you know, as a teacher candidate I had to reflect long and hard and write multiple ignites to really find and pick a message that would be able to go and touch so many of you. And it's really heartwarming to hear that I was able to um, almost ignite that fire within you to take the risk. And one thing that Mm -hmm. I was wondering is why you think it is so important, like you were saying, to take those risks and to step out of your comfort zone, because that was even something... Um, that you had put in the Google Forms
1: to be on the podcast is that you want to push yourself kind of thing. Yeah, so I think one of the big things is I'm always telling, especially my English language learners, I'm always telling them to take risks and to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. because that's the only way they're going to learn and get more comfortable and meet new people. And so I felt like a bit of a hypocrite because here I am telling them to do it, but I I find that to be a challenge for myself. So I figured I'm I just... I think I just need to do it. I need to model what I'm asking them to do because I I feel like I need to learn just as much as they do. Absolutely. And I think
0: that modeling that jump, and essentially that's what I was doing in my Ignite. As much as I was talking about jumping, I was actually jumping in front of all of you by reciting the ignite. Um, I thought it was just like a huge metaphor that was like it was just incredible. When I look back at it, I'm so happy. But while doing it, I'm like, you know what? If I if I really screw up, that's okay because that's what modeling risks look like. Right? I think that was like almost reassuring to me. Um, But you say so you want to take risks, step, step out of your comfort zone. What are
1: like your next steps in actually doing that? So I have um, started a blog. It's still in the baby stages, but um, I've, I've made a few posts now. And so I'm, I'm just trying to be more open and honest about kind of the ups and downs with education, because it is a roller coaster. Like there are so many great things that happen, but then there are times where you feel like you're like an utter failure, and and so then I think it's good to kind of question that and put that out there and and reflect on kind of the changes I need to to see in myself and and just to kind of let other educators know that they're not alone.
0: Oh yes, like all of that. I'm just team blogging because well, first of all, do you want to plug your blog so that the listeners can go and check it out?
1: See, now this is me putting myself <laughs> out there. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so um, Atwell's Adventure in Ed. Blogspot. Com.
0: Oh, I love it. That is such an awesome name. <laughs> so I I blog myself. If I'm not podcasting, I'm blogging, and um, I blog every week after I finish um, my pra- my like week of placement, essentially. And I love that you bring up the fact that. Blogging is important to not only talk about the good things Mm -hmm. because I often see, you know, what we post on Twitter or like the Pinterest classrooms or, you know, all that stuff. It's all the good, 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 good. And we never want to talk about the downs or the failures. But that – those failures and I find when I reflect on the failures and I blog about them, that's when I get the most feedback and the most like valuable conversations (laughs) to – like you said, like make those
1: changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think the biggest challenge, I think we just need to let, especially new teachers, it's okay to make a mistake because that's the only way you're going to improve. Absolutely. And I think it's almost overwhelming
0: for teacher candidates to see what everybody is doing. That's so amazing all the time, let's say on Twitter or in blogs and saying like, okay, but that's not what it looks like in my classroom. And then. you know that's what i was wondering like those lesson plans or those you know resource kits that you can buy on teachers pay teachers well it's not like that's happening every day in the classroom like it's not amazing all the no. time right
1: no. like please tell no. me because i i can't keep it. i won't be able to make it if it's like that oh no it most certainly is not i i make lots of mistakes or i i have like this awesome lesson that i think is going to be wonderful and then i get there and my students are like no, that's not happening.
0: (laughs) Right? I had one of those lessons this week with my students too. And it was so disappointing because you put so much time and you think that it's going to be so great. And then it just kind of flops. So what I look forward to doing this week is reflecting on why it flopped. And next time, how can I make sure, you know, that it that it becomes a success but at the same time I feel as though and and it all depends on the classroom and the students and there's so many other factors that go with it and I feel like oftentimes we want to just put the whole blame on ourselves but that's the, the beauty of writing it out and thinking about it is considering all of the aspects and then sharing it out that's like the biggest piece of it right yeah totally Mm-hmm. So, what have you blogged about so far?
1: Um, so, I blogged about why I'm blogging. <laughs> Love it. Always a good first blog. <laughs> yep. And so, um, and for me, it was. I feel like I've always been shy, and I know that sounds crazy, and maybe I'm not shy at all. But I've always had this idea of being shy and falling back on that. So, like, that's my excuse for not interacting with people if I'm uncomfortable. Oh, I'm just shy, and so I'm I'm trying to. Kind of break out of that because, like, I don't think it's that. I think I just need to not be so scared. I think I just need to kind of (laughs) break through it and try because that's the only way it's going to get better. So, what would you,
0: okay, if somebody's listening right now and they are kind of on the edge
1: of starting a blog, but they're also scared, what would you tell them? I would say just create a post, but don't publish it. Like, give it a try. Because it's actually quite therapeutic to sit there and type it all out and kind of reflect on things that have happened or uh, kind of what you're hoping to accomplish. Because it, I think it kind of lays it out for you, and it's almost like your brain can now digest it and just you get comfortable with it. It gets easier.
0: Yeah, and see the thing that I find hard to understand is, and I and I think this might be a good question for mm-hmm. you to answer. But where does that like fear? stem from because for me, I, I don't know what is wrong with me, but I have no fear posting a blog where I am super open and being like, look at how bad I did this, or, you know, um, this really didn't go well, or just having or even like, you know, sharing podcasts. Like I've never experienced that fear. Like, yes, sometimes with certain things, but to be open has never been necessarily difficult for me. So maybe you can just let me in on so- what it might feel like to be a little bit less like open I'm not sure
1: (laughs) yeah so I think even from a young age I was number two of four and so I would kind of just be in the shadows or like kind of be like the more of the quiet one Um, and then my parents made us do piano and concerts were like Mm -hmm. the most terrifying things in the world in front of so many different people um, it's weird that I'm an educator because being in front of a classroom, you'd think I'd be scared. <laughs> That's <laughs> yep. what I was going to say. Yep. Like, how did you become but a it's actually scarier in front of colleagues for me than it is in front of my students. Like, I feel like it's so much more relaxed. Like, I can just be myself and, and kind of go with it with my students. But then in front of colleagues or, or like in front of a staff meeting, whew, yeah, right. I, I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm terrified. <laughs> really? Yeah. So then, what was the fear in blogging um perception how I'm perceived um I don't know why that's weird to me, but i mean it's, i think it's I've always been a people pleaser or a yes person, so for me, putting myself out there and and opening myself to criticism is is not something that's easy for me
0: yeah and i can I can totally relate to that and um as much as I blog and 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 share my thoughts through podcasting. And this was something that I brought up in my podcasting session. I consider, I often consider what others might think of the things that I have to say, or the fact that, you know, I may not be as experienced or that my point is just not valid ever. And that's totally cool. And I think that in being open and receptive to what others may have to say will just ultimately Mm -hmm. like help me grow, I think. And if, and I always give everyone the benefit of the doubt that, you know, if they do have something to tell me, and I have received lots of feedback on on the way I blog or the way that I podcast or the things that I podcast about. Um, but I find that everybody's really professional and considerate and um, not inclusive, but just like, <laughs> I think considerate might be the best yeah. word in the way that they approach yeah. and give feedback. Like it's constructive, right? So, I always take it in and I'm so appreciative of the fact that they've even listened or read the blog and that they can and provide that feedback to me. Yeah. You know, I that. think, and that's like one of the biggest pieces, like in the cycle of podcasting or blogging, right. Where like, we're creating and then publishing, posting, um, receiving feedback, reflecting on it, and then just kind of living that cycle through and through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you talk about how you, um, you are a secondary school teacher. And mm-hmm. right now I am getting qualified to be um, a teacher from grade four to grade 10. Nice. I am not sure how I feel about high school. So I want to know. I, I'm like, a, <laughs> I'm still questioning because I love that you said when you're around your students, you can just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, Myself as a teacher, I feel like I can truly be myself in front of elementary school um, students, whether like, because now I'm in front of grade 10, 11, and 12 students. And when I act like, you know, super excited or engaged, like they just <laughs> think I'm crazy. But sometimes crazy is good. <laughs> so I'm wondering, yeah, well they don't appreciate it as much. You know, I can't say, all right, boys and girls, no, no. grab your pens. And you know, like, <laughs> no, no, exactly. So maybe it's just because I haven't found my, my voice, my high school teacher voice. Um, but I was just wondering, and I, I want to ask this to the most high school teachers I can, but what do you love the most about teaching high school students to maybe have me
1: appreciate it more? I'm not sure. So I, I actually think that elementary teachers have so much patience and I, I actually don't understand how they do it. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> that you say that about high school, like the opposite thing. Um, yeah. For me, I kind of, I think it's a good stage. So they're kind of coming into their own and figuring out who they are and where they want to go. So like like we, if I teach kids in grade 10 and then teach them again in grade 12, it's actually kind of neat to see how they've developed and and, and their plans and you can have more adult conversations with them at that point, it's kind of neat to see just that development and how their personalities emerge and and how they're kind of set their future. I don't know. I couldn't imagine elementary. So, so for me, it was always, I knew I was going to go to secondary. <laughs> that was kind of my plan.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. Did you always know you want to be a high school teacher?
1: Yeah, I really did. I always knew, I mean, Spanish was, like my degree was in Spanish right. literature, yeah. So Spanish was like my main goal. And then it was when I was on one of my first practicums when I realized that um, teaching ESL or English as a second language was something that I was also very passionate about. And so I immediately went out and got that AQ and the rest is history. (laughs) That's incredible because right now I'm kind of questioning
0: like what happens when you do your placement and you realize that may not be what you want to do.
1: So... I I mean, that's a good question. Like I did – history is my other teachable. I don't teach a lot of history, but I've kind of been lucky in the way it's all kind of fallen because I think I became like right away into LTOs in Spanish classrooms. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, it kind of went from – it just kind of grew. So when
0: when you're teaching Spanish, um, is this an elective that students have – like they've
1: chosen to be in, in that class? So sometimes it can be an elective. Um, I also, so part of what I teach for Spanish is the international baccalaureate program. And so they have to have a second language. So students that didn't have enough French in elementary, uh, maybe they were newcomers to Canada or whatever the case may be. Um, they end up having to take Spanish as their second language. And so that's, I get a group that don't have the choice necessarily. Okay.
0: So when you're teaching English language learners um, and the international students, you must meet like so many different students who bring so much culture and, and different backgrounds and stories with them. What do you do with all of that? That's one thing I think
1: it's so, so rich. So I, I find it fascinating and I think that's one of the best parts of teaching ESL. Um, so for me, I actually, I try to celebrate some of their festivals in our classroom or I get them to teach me a little bit of their language um, or their culture and some of the things that they do traditionally. And I have a lot of uh, students from China. So when it was Chinese New Year, I decorated the classroom with paper lanterns and we had like a little photo booth set up and, and brought in some like fortune cookies. And then they, they actually spent the class teaching me uh, Chinese phrases and expressions around the holiday. That is incredible. Like just,
0: we talk often about inclusive classrooms Mm -hmm. um, that I'm just like smiling from ear to ear because I think that's so, so lovely. And I unfortunately am not from um, a town that has honestly much (laughs) culture, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that, I just think is, is so rich, not just for yourself, but for all the other students,
1: right? And it also, like a lot of my students don't have parents with them. They're they're here on student visas and maybe they're living with guardians or homestays. So for them, it it was also kind of nice to see that they could celebrate with someone and with some peers who had the same holidays, um, especially at a time when they were missing their own families. So it, it was neat. And I think they really appreciate it. I think it made them really happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that they have your classroom and that you've built almost um, that sense of community within the students. Mm -hmm. What do you think are, and this is coming from a teacher candidate, what are some of the steps that you can take to be able to create a more inclusive and um,
1: uh, like a community essentially within your classroom? Um, So one of the biggest things I do right from the get go is I I try to pronounce their names properly and some of the Chinese names are so complicated. I'm not going to lie, but, um, but I find that makes it. You
0: must have appreciated Jason. Uh, yeah, Jason's. (laughs) There you go. That morning was just geared for you, Katie. It really was.
1: I was listening and I was like, this is my class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, sorry I cut you off. I just thought
1: that was like super, super funny. <laughs> no, it's, it, it actually worked out really well. I was kind of funny as I was listening to you guys. I was like, wow. big sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so pronouncing their names properly. So how do you get to doing that? So I pretty much get them to say it as many times as possible. And then I usually write down like the what I would phonetically think it is in English. So then – I refer to that page every day until I have it nailed down. But it's practice, lots of practice.
0: (laughs) So for somebody like myself who's going into a classroom where names aren't necessarily the biggest Mm -hmm. factor, what are some other things that I could do? Say I get my classroom next year in September, I don't know a grade seven or eight or nine yep. or 10 classroom? What are some other steps that I could do, say even just like in September to to build that community with my students? Because we talk often mm-hmm. about creating relationships and wanting our students to want to be in the classroom and feel safe and, and loved and appreciated. And and I think that's so important for a space where they
1: are able to learn. So one of the things that I do as well is, um, have you ever heard of a Pecha Kucha? Um, it's similar to ignite actually no but please uh, it's like a s- go ahead yeah. <laughs> so um it's a, it's called a pecha kucha it's essentially a slide show um no words on the page at all um just images and then you have a certain amount of time for each slide to explain what that slide represents and so i i do it as well but i get my students to do one called who am i And so right off of the bat, they have to find images, whether it be from home, family, um, activities that interest them. Maybe it's them doing some touristy things. Um, And they have to present with no words on the slide, which is a challenge, Mm -hmm. um, this slide deck. And so I create one for myself as well. So they get to know me on a more personal level. And then we all get to know one another. And I found that that has really made an impact with getting to know them and making them feel like it's safe to share. I love that.
0: I really do. And that's something that you can do in any age, with any age. Totally. That is very awesome. Even in like an LTO, for me, Mm -hmm. say I get one, that would be really awesome to do. I'm just like jotting this down
1: as we go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Pecha Kucha. Where did you, where does that even come from? Um, there's actually, I don't, there's a site and it's all about Pecha Kuchas. I don't know where it started, but I learned from like an instructional program lead at my board who was like, you should try this with your class. And I was like, I don't know, but I went for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. Now we're spreading the the idea of Pecha Kuchas out. I love it. I really do. <laughs> right now, I want to move into kind of like a, a different segment where um, to talk about the role, the tech role that you have um, in your school, because before we press record, we were kind of talking about it. So I think this would be um, a good time to kind of dive into it. Okay. That being said, um, when you filled out the form to be on the podcast, you had mentioned that you were one of the code lead learners in starting up. The Chrome Squad. That's so right. So why don't you just <laughs> explain and let everyone know what the heck is a Chrome okay. Squad? <laughs> it is as
1: nerdy as it sounds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Chrome Squad, um, my colleague and I have started up at our school, and it's a team of students and teachers. Um, and the idea is we want to build capacity in our building We want students to be able to contribute what type of technology we're using. So we created this group and we are sharing ideas of apps, extensions, programs that students want to use and that teachers know as well um, with the plan of creating our own website, our own blog about like weekly tips and tech tips. Um, And then um, we're going to go into classrooms and help teachers feel comfortable trying new technology. So Brian Ham's er,
0: keynote, were you were you there? Because that speaks essentially to what you're doing. Yep. They hit the nail on the head for you, Katie. I love it. It's
1: the perfect weekend.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like everything you're saying, I'm like, whoa, we talked about that. Yeah. That is so neat. Okay, so the students that you're working with, um, mm-hmm. is this like a is this a
1: club or You could call it a club, I guess. So we started by saying, we actually said to teachers, we said, we want good all around students. We don't care if they know technology, but we're really just Mm -hmm. looking for students who are trustworthy and reliable and who you think could be a good leader. And so from there, teachers gave us some nominations. And right now we're meeting, um, we just meet after schools right now, just because we're trying to set things up and kind of get to know one another and figure out how it could all work. Um, And... um, and so we kind of just started with that. And then, yeah, go ahead. Um, sorry, how many students do you have? Uh, we have about 12. Okay, so 12 students, two teachers? No, we have teachers? four teachers. So my colleague Rachel Johnson and I, we we were the ones who have kind of been trying to figure out how to get more technology in our building. Um, and then there were a couple other teachers who we put it out for interest and said, who else would like to give it a try and learn new things or Join us in the battle.
0: <laughs> so what what is the battle essentially? Is tech something that you kind of have in your school that you don't have at all in your school? Like
1: where are you building from? We're kind of in the middle, but we have almost 150 teachers. So, and they all range in different abilities and different confidence levels in terms of incorporating technology. Um, so what we're trying to do is build more capacity around things like Google Read and Write that all of our students can use as assistive technology. And even just trying to move away from so many photocopies and just really trying to make people more confident with um, the technology that we have, because we have laptops as a staff, which is fantastic. Um, And we have quite a few Chromebooks in our school, but um, we just need to kind of teach people how to use them more. Okay, so the need definitely stems from
0: um, the... Well, I guess you've said it already, like building the capacity and the confidence, right? So mm-hmm. how, you guys plan on doing that by giving workshops or mm-hmm. like what what exactly does that look like once you guys have, you know, your squad together and moving forward, like what are your future plans? So
1: um, we're just getting a site up and running and on our site, it's going to have um different how-to videos as well as guides for people who want to, you know, give something a try. So for the first time, here are some step-by-step instructions on how to use it. Um, And then you can book a member to go into your classroom. So in September, we're going to roll out with that. Um, So you can, we'll have a form. You fill out the form, you tell us what kind of tech support you want, what app you want to give a try, and then we'll go into your classroom and actually help you teach it out to your students. And kind of create a safer space that's awesome okay but see this is my like um,
0: I'm actually learning how much time teachers have so, yeah. <laughs> so how do you find how do you as a teacher right so you you mm-hmm. have your classes still yeah um, how do you find time to do that just because I, I I'm teaching three classes and I'm just like drowning yeah so how do you find
1: time to do all of this <laughs> Um, so that's the interesting battle. I mean, a lot of it is, so what we said to the kids was, look, here are the apps that you've said and that we've said. Um, and if, if these are the ones you want us to use as teachers, you kind of need to invest a bit of time. You need to tell us, you know, a bit of digital citizenship in there by making them research the privacy policies to make sure they're not giving away their whole lives as they sign their students up for it. (laughs) But, um... So it's kind of like a joint effort. So there's a lot of my own time, which obviously does go into it. But it's also something that I really love. So I I couldn't not do it, if that makes sense. (laughs) How are the students reacting to this? Like, what do they think about it? So when the first day when we had them actually looking at privacy policies, they were shocked. They had no idea how much information they were giving up to random companies on the internet. (laughs) Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And I, well, I think that first of all, this is like a really great opportunity for students to not only share their voice about what kind of tech that they want in the classrooms, but also to be leaders in their own school and in the classrooms. And something that I was wondering is how your other teachers, how your staff would take to students coming in and
1: teaching them about tech. What is that all about? So people seem pretty open to it. So I think Yeah. So far, so good. Reception has been actually fairly positive. Okay. So So, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So I think that um, like once that rolls out in September, we'll get a better idea and maybe it's staff at first, but then we pull back or staff and teacher or staff and student at the same time, and then start to pull back and give that leadership back to the students. But um, I think it's really just teachers want to be using the tech and just aren't comfortable. So, Anyone helping, I think, is is a welcome relief. I can definitely attest to that.
0: And one thing um, that I was wondering, so if the students – are you going to give them like roles in the group? So if some want to do more of the tutorials or some want to do more of the blogs and some feel more, you know, giving the workshops and, you know, mentoring other students and teachers, is that something that you guys are looking at? Totally.
1: So it's also based on like, maybe I'm really good at one app, but I'm terrible at another. I wouldn't be necessarily going in if somebody else is available that has that strength. So we're kind of, it's, we don't really see it as like teacher leaders and then students under us. It's more of like a, a, Honestly, it's a, it's a team between teachers and students. We, we see ourselves as equals because we're all bringing something different to the group. That is so awesome. So say I want
0: to start this in my school mm-hmm. next year. What were some of the steps that you and um, your colleague took to basically implement this? Because I'm sure it's not easy. No. So first we had to make sure that administration would be okay
1: <laughs> with this because having students go and teach teachers isn't exactly a a normal strategy (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we made sure we had support from our administration first and then from there like we already have a a team of teachers who kind of help out with like software related computer support um, especially around like markbook and all of those wonderful things so um we really already had a, a good base foundation and people know us for for helping out with technology so it wasn't that shocking to my principal when we kind of pitched this idea um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then from there um we appealed to staff first just to make sure that they wouldn't think we're crazy um and actually the reception was quite good like i was surprised at how many people were really supportive of it so we kind of and then went from there wow so um the students obviously
0: they have a voice and a choice in chrome squad what are some of the applications or te- different technologies that they're saying that
1: they want to see used in the classroom okay so um one of them was ven i think it's called Venn gage it's an infographic. It's an online app for creating infographics, which they really liked the layout and um, the way that it looks. And so we've actually started using that and creating that for part of our website um, just to kind of get to know it as well. Um, some more that we have. I'm just opening up my document here.
0: Awesome, yeah, because I'm like totally writing all these down and I might, you know, right. do it in my class tomorrow with my grade 10s.
1: Who knows? I could use ideas for my lesson plan tomorrow. <laughs> um, Google Read and Write with our, that we have. All of the Google... Uh, sweet. Essentially, the kids really enjoy. And we have it. So we may as well keep going with it. Um, Canva is another. Yes, Canva. Mm -hmm. Yes,
0: I can just, I will stand behind Canva day and night. (laughs) I love it so much. I do everything. Everything you see on Twitter that I do, it is thanks to Canva.
1: Yeah, no, it's really neat. I'm still getting to know some of these things too. It's actually amazing how much learning I'm still doing, but I love it. Um, They also love things like Kahoot and Quizlet, um, EquatIO for math and Google Docs, which is pretty neat.
0: Do you know anything about that? I'm not, again, language teacher, not
1: a big math. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Thankfully, my colleague teaches science, and so she's totally into those types of things. (laughs) You guys complement each other well, then. We really do. We balance each other out well. (laughs) Um, Another one that we love is Mindomo. Ooh, tell me about that. It's mind maps, and they're awesome and it's easy to use and it's amazing. Give it a try. Is that
0: through Google?
1: No, Mindomo is an app, and it's actually supported by the ministry, I believe, which is how we found out about it to begin with. Very <laughs> awesome. I could use that in my English class with my students tomorrow. Actually. I know, it's a really neat one. <laughs> Uh, Pixton Comics was one, but then there's also Book Creator, which is fantastic as well.
0: Yes, I actually went to um, – were you there at the end of the day on Saturday in the gym? Um, what is that called? Yeah, Book Creator with Jonathan. Yes. That's where I learned about it. <laughs> uh, playground, digital digital playground, I think it was. Yeah, that was awesome. I really enjoyed um, – that format. It's not that I don't love the demo slams. I've seen tons of them. They're super funny and like really informative, but I felt like I could um, – well, honestly, having the choice in what I went and, and sat at, that was really powerful. I enjoyed that a lot. What, what other ones did you go to uh, that day? That
1: day I went to the Chrome extensions. Yeah. Was that with Kim? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love Kim? And then the other one I did was – Oh, the Google Keep and drawing. That is something that I need to get into.
0: Actually, that's I love my Google Keep. to-do list.
1: My, I, I, <laughs> and it's going to be in Gmail soon. Pardon me? It's going to be integrated into Gmail soon, which is even better. No way. How is that? How, how is that going to work? It's one of the new updates. There's going to be – so right now in, in Gmail, when you, you have tasks, you, they're also going mm-hmm. to integrate a window for uh, Google Keep. It's going to be fabulous.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Not that I need anything else to write more to-do lists on because I think I spend most of my time just writing to-do lists about the to-do lists and the to-do lists that I have to yep. do. <laughs> However, whatever keeps you organized, right? Yep. <laughs> What is actually that's kind of a good segue. What is something, Katie, as a teacher, as a, as a veteran teacher, that helps keep you organized in your lesson planning, in your in, your, in the work that students are giving you in your life? Maybe I, I could use some more like tips and tricks.:
1: Calendar and Google keep.: Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, the issue with me for that is that I'm very um, I love writing things down. like yeah, by hand. Mm-hmm. I do get that.
1: Yeah. I also walk around with a notebook. I need to start making. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and then you rewrite the things uh-huh. that are in your notebook back on Google, keeping it like double
1: registers my in your mind, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hoping, hoping it works. Oh, that's so funny. Well, Katie, I really want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me tonight. It was awesome getting to know more about you. Um, I look forward to reading your future blogs. I will link your blog in the description to this podcast along with your Twitter account, which you tweeted at me today. So my goal is to get you like 100 followers. Think we can do that?
1: That's, I'm, I'm trying. I'm. Uh, I. I've signed up, and then I've kind of been avoiding it because it's so overwhelming.
0: <laughs> that could have been a whole nother podcast just about Twitter. <laughs> yep. Yep. But a good good place to start off is to um, essentially just start connecting with educators. So I will link your Twitter account in this podcast in the tweet that's going to go out with this podcast. And hopefully you will be able to connect with other educators who may be interested in starting a Chrome squad or who are English language Learner um, who teach English language learners. So again, thank you so much, Katie, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you so
1: much. It's been great. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kesara Sara with me, Sarah and Lalone. You can stay connected with me on Twitter at sarah s a r a h lalone l a l o n d e e, and you can also find my podcast on iTunes under Kesara Sara.